1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
0: As you'll know, various Australian states have either already legalised euthanasia, states like Victoria or Western Australia, and then there are other states who are actively working to have euthanasia become a part of their legal model. Well, we've been talking about moves in Tasmania of recent times, and also uh, there's moves in Queensland, which is facing a state election coming up at the end of October. So accompanying legislation is a list of so-called safeguards. Now, safeguards are designed to protect from abuse of euthanasia, and Bill Muhlenberg's been contemplating some of those sorts of issues through this past week and joining us once again for a Culture Watch segment. Bill Muhlenberg, welcome back. Great to be back. Bill, you've entitled one of your latest articles, Safeguards. What safeguards? Because there's always a lot of conditions on euthanasia, but you're saying that they don't amount to much.
1: Well, we certainly have the historical record to look at in this regard, wherever Countries have gone down the road of uh, legalizing euthanasia, and the first two were Holland and Belgium back in 2002. Uh, Wherever it's happened, whether American states, Australian states, countries, uh, you know, all the talk in the world about, oh, there's all these stringent safeguards in place. Uh, Well, none of it's actually worked. It's been a slippery slope from day one. In fact, the whole concept of putting these two words together in the same phrase is an oxymoron, euthanasia safeguards. Uh, there's no safety at all. A person is being killed deliberately, either by a doctor or some other means. So even the notion of safety in killing people is a bit uh, bizarre. But yeah, we've had it here in Victoria, we've had it in so many places. Oh, we're going to have the best safeguards in the world and yet as I as we'll talk about in my new piece, uh doesn't mean beans people are being put down for uh, any reason at all, nothing to do with terminal conditions, unbearable suffering. It's uh it's always a slippery slope. We've always warned it would be and history is telling us that's exactly the case.
0: Well, let's talk about a couple of cases you're writing about, the nation of Belgium, and also you've made some reference to Canada. So there's two nations that have it legalised. What's been the problem there?
1: Well, I simply recorded a number of recent headlines for those countries. I could spend, uh, you know, entire articles just listing nothing but the headlines, the horror stories of how... uh, Supposedly, countries with great safeguards in place are simply uh, killing people, uh, often not even those who've asked uh, to be put down. Uh, these are shocking stories, whether Holland or Belgium or places like Oregon or states like that in the U.S. Uh, so, yeah, I've just listed a few such headlines, people uh, Getting uh, euthanized? Not again. No uh, terminal condition. No uh, prolonged uh, suffering. Simply people who have been depressed. People who just uh, don't uh, really want to live any longer. People might have autism. People who just... uh, Well, one of them losing uh, financial government benefits for health care. The reasons just keep going on and on. It has nothing to do. So many with the relief of really unbearable suffering, but everything to do with, well, suicide, end of the matter. Uh, You know, we got some of the highest, certainly, youth suicide rates in the world, even here in Australia. It's a big problem. We're all trying to address it. Yet on the very same uh, side of the debate, we're saying, uh, you know, if you're bummed out, if you're depressed, if you're unhappy with life, well, you should have the right to kill yourself or get assistance in doing it. So uh, we're really sending some mixed signals here. And as you say, with a Queensland election coming up, and that's a big platform indeed for the Labour Party, that's another reason to think very carefully about uh, how you're going to vote in a few weeks' time.
0: Bill, the terminology is sometimes a little confusing. There's Mm. euthanasia and there's voluntary assisted dying, how do you describe uh, the differences or the confusion that it amounts to when you're talking about those two terminologies?
1: Yeah, there's often a lot of terms thrown around and they're supposed to be really fine and delicate distinctions, but often in reality there are none. Uh, Probably the most important point to keep in mind when we talk about things like euthanasia is simply this, Uh, It's one thing for a person to be on the natural course of death. They're dying. Uh, You know, it's quite clear that they're end of their life course. And therefore, that patient has every medical, even legal right, not to have uh, burdensome and unnecessary treatment uh, thrown upon them. You know, these tubes and machines trying to forcibly keep somebody alive who's on the natural course of death, well, that's simply wrong, and that's not what any pro-lifer is talking about. When we talk about euthanasia, we mean only one thing, the intentional killing of another person, whether we do it with a lethal injection, a gun in the head, doesn't matter the means. We're talking about deliberately taking somebody's life when he may well indeed not be on the course of natural death, but for whatever reason, wants out. So it's, it's well, yeah, it's assisted suicide, but it's the intentional killing of another human being for any number of reasons. And when it's put in legislation only for the terminally ill, only for those in great pain and suffering, well, again, uh, that never stays that way. Wherever you look, around the world where legalization of euthanasia has occurred. uh, It just keeps getting broader and broader. The door gets opened even further. So we have children in uh, places like Belgium and Holland now being uh, killed by their own request. Uh, As we said, some countries, there will be hundreds every year who are being killed In hospitals but they did not in fact make that request so it's uh, what we call the slippery slope in action so we have to be clear yes indeed about both terminology and the way these things pan out in the real world.
0: So safeguards what safeguards you've got Tasmania having debates about euthanasia now you've got a platform for one of the parties up for election the labour party uh, coming up in the queensland state election uh, there's been some criticism of the state of queensland over the extent of their palliative care saying that it's way way worse than most other australian states what are your reflections there
1: well, yeah, that is one of the big alternatives. We should be putting our resourcing, our funding, our attention into palliative care, which has proven to be so very successful indeed, not just for end-of-life patients, but for those suffering in various forms. While no uh, medical treatment is foolproof, uh, the overwhelming majority of those who are suffering in different ways are being helped tremendously proper palliative care, but yeah, Queensland has got hardly any money, federal funds, state funds going into things like palliative care. They're putting all their emphasis again on these kill bills. Let's just legalize the euthanasia, bump off people instead of giving them the real help that they deserve. It's always a strange kind of way to look at, uh, you know, how you can relieve suffering when you kill the sufferer. (laughs) That should not be the way we treat people. That's not how the Hippocratic Oath uh, put it so long ago. Do no harm, the first principle of medicine. And yet that's the easy, quick way out for so many governments. Instead of palliative care and other great resources, let's just make it legal for people to be killed uh, often for very poor reasons indeed.
0: You raise an important issue there, and that is the issue around doctors. So whether there's mm-hmm. some sort of intentional killing by a lethal injection, or whether it's yep. sending off the tablets in the mail so you can take yep. your own life, but somebody's ordering that. Someone is. It's as though someone's yep. pulling the trigger. It puts a lot of pressure on the doctor to compromise their yep. own values.
1: Well, of course it does, as we just said. Uh, Do no harm. It should be the main aim of all medical personnel. You're trying to help people, cure people, uh, alleviate the diseases, not kill people. That's never been part of the medical community's uh, job description. So in that Hippocratic Oath, uh, both abortion and euthanasia were spoken of as being quite unethical and outside of the doctor's brief. Yet that's what we're getting now. We're basically putting pressure on doctors to kill patients. Uh, And that obviously is going to weaken the patient-doctor relationship. If you go in as an elderly person, you're not sure if you're going to leave. They might bump you off against your will, which has happened so many times. In fact, I wrote a whole book on this matter back in 2016 on euthanasia and I recorded case after case of this very thing happening. In fact, I used to live in Holland uh, and heard the horror stories myself of elderly people fleeing Holland and Belgium uh, because so many of them were afraid if they went into to see a doctor, into a hospital, they might not make it out alive. So this is reality. And uh, again, the so-called safeguards, I, I finished my article by looking at a really sad case here in Victoria of somebody whose grandmother was put down not because they had any pain at all, but simply fear of pain. They were worried they might end up with pain and suffering, and that was enough reason to have this elderly person put down. So I quote a well a really moving and sad story about that case here in Victoria, and I remind my uh, readers that Dan Andrews here, the labor government, again, these these guys seem to be the party of death. Uh, he assured us a few years ago, oh, this will be the safest, most strict uh, set of safeguards in the whole world. Uh, sorry, doesn't happen, never has, never will. And so I, I record some of these sad stories to show this is not the way well, you folks in Queensland want to go, Tasmanians and so on. It's uh, been there, done that, and it doesn't look pretty.
0: Well, Bill, we'll often spend time unpacking what a Christian thinks about these things, uh, but uh, very quickly just reflecting on uh, the commandment out of the Ten Commandments Mm. that says, Thou shalt not murder, and, uh, of course, the understanding that we're created in the image and likeness of God. It's not our place take lives intentionally so as a Christian just very quickly here uh, thinking about how you approach these issues that governments are telling us are going to be having safeguards Uh, what are your thoughts for the Christian assessing those sorts of thoughts
1: well you're right as a Christian we do believe every person is made in the image and likeness of God we have inherent worth and dignity Uh, That's why we're not like the dogs. You know, people say, oh, but the dogs don't suffer. We put them out of their misery. Why can't we do that with human beings? Well, for the simple reason, we are not animals. We are made very special in God's image, and therefore we do have special dignity and worth, and therefore we should do all we can to protect life, to affirm life. And obviously if there's suffering work to relieve suffering, But as we said already, to uh, kill the sufferer is a funny way to show compassion for the
0: suffering. Well, Bill, I'll point people to the book you mentioned. You wrote a book back in 2016, The Challenge of Euthanasia. Uh, you'll be able to get it through Amazon, you can get it through Coorong, no doubt if you're directly in touch with Bill Muhlenberg at BillMuhlenberg.com. You'll be able to get it too, and simply Google Culture Watch, one word, uh, to update some of the latest articles that Bill Muhlenberg has been writing. Bill, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Always a
1: pleasure.